I started my own LLC. I've had to raise my own money. I've had to track metrics for my sponsors. And I I think I grew up very quickly, but I wouldn't take any of it back because I've learned more about business from race car driving than I ever will from a summer job. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown-ups. If you are like me, you love to read, but if we're being honest, it doesn't happen. The time just flies and the intention does not become reality. So do what I do. Get the intel you want in a way that matches your schedule. I recently started using the Blinkist app and I love it. It puts the content of books that you wanna read into powerful summaries called blinks, usually just a minute at a time. A whole book can be 15 minutes-ish, just like this podcast, right on your favorite device. Text or audio totally fits your lifestyle. I am obsessed. Go to bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist for a free trial and to support the show. It took a really long time to make this interview happen, not because the guest is a busy CEO or executive just sitting around making big deals, but because we had to wait for her finals to be over. 20-year-old Aurora Strauss is a student at Harvard. I wanted to have her on the podcast to talk about her experiences getting started as a teenage race car driver at the age of 13. Quick hello to everyone and welcome. If you were able to catch our previous episode, you heard that our schedule has changed at the Financial Grown-Up Podcast. We are doing new classic episodes like this one, where high achievers share their money stories and how we can learn from them. Those are on Tuesdays. On Fridays, we have our Financial Grown-Up Guides, which are quick, easy tips to help us all be a little more financial grown-up. Let's get to Aurora Strauss. Race car driving is very expensive. Try five figures every time you go to the track. In the interview, we get into the specific costs and break down all of them. Literally, they really do add up. So Aurora had to grow up financially really fast if she wanted to get the cash to pursue this passion. And I guarantee you are going to be very impressed when you hear her go-to MO for getting sponsors. It is something totally available to all of us, but we have to actually use it the way that Aurora does, and she's going to walk us through everything. Literally, listen and learn, my friends. Here is race car driver Aurora Strauss. Hey, Aurora Strauss. You're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. You may, in fact, be the very youngest financial grown-up we have had on the program. You are 20 years old. You are, first of all, a student at Harvard. You just finished your finals for the year where you are a government and history and literature major. You're also getting pretty well known as one of the youngest, if not the youngest, professional race car drivers. You were, you're now 20, but you were, just until recently, the only full-time teenage race car driver. You're also a musician. You play guitar, piano, bass. You also sing. And we're going to talk about this one later. You are the founder of Girls With Drive. So welcome. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, that's a long introduction. I don't know if I can live up to it. And that was the short version of the introduction. What a lot of people don't understand is that, you're so as a race car driver, and you started this when you were about 16 years old, Yeah. 
this is going to be your money story because it costs money to get into this. And people just see all the money that people can make through sponsorship, et cetera. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Tell us your story, Aurora. Yeah. I mean, the unspoken elephant in the room in the racing world is that racing, particularly getting your feet on solid ground, requires a lot of track time. And a lot of track time requires exorbitant amounts of money. And that is one of the largest reasons that racing is very much a family sport is because it's passed down from generation to generation, because otherwise it's virtually impossible to, or very hard, I should say, to raise the funding to get involved. So I was blissfully unaware of this, which I think was a very good thing when I started racing. Uh, When I was 13, my dad didn't want me to race cars, but he wanted me to become a safer driver. So he put me in a stick shift Mazda Miata with him. Uh, Wait, just to interrupt here, though, the driving age in most states is 16, and you were growing up, and you're from Cold Spring, New York. So how were you driving at 13? Because I know people will want to know that. Yep. So depending on the insurance policy at some private racetracks, you can start driving at 13. So I started driving at Monticello Motor Club, which was about 90 minutes away from New York City. I loved it. Long story short, decided I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. And my dad said, that's great, but you're going to have to learn a lot of business in very little time. And since then, he, and you know, to his credit, he and my parents have both completely changed my life, not because of, or not just because of the opportunities they've given me, but because of the business sense that they've taught me. Uh, my first sponsor came to me when I was 16 and I raced in a semi-professional series for two years. And since then I've raised, oh gosh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in sponsorship money to make my own career happen. And I've just gone through this crazy journey of, you know, I, I started my own LLC. I've had to raise my own money. I've had to track metrics for my sponsors. And I, I think I grew up very quickly, but I wouldn't take any of it back because I've learned more about business from race car driving than I ever will from a summer job. Tell me more about the process. How do you first start out getting sponsors? What is that like? Yep. Interestingly enough, LinkedIn. Uh, I spent a long time trying to navigate through friends of friends of friends, but then I started reaching out to marketing, uh, like marketing executives at companies that I thought would fit my brand really well. And for me, the most important thing about a potential new partner, a new sponsor for me is that I am completely confident that I can deliver and that it makes sense with my other sponsors and the brand I'm building for myself. So right now my one of my biggest sponsors is Richard Meal. They're a luxury watch brand. And that, for example, doesn't necessarily go well with a mass market workout brand, for example. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much about finding the right fit, making sure that I can deliver to the right companies. I pinpoint one company, and then I'll reach out to probably 100 or 200 people on LinkedIn, depending on how big the company is. And generally out of 100 people, I'll get maybe five or six to respond to me, which is still a pretty good turnaround rate, all things considered. And then out of these six people responding to me, one person will actually give me their email and I latch onto that one person for all it's worth. And there's a good chance they might not be the right person to write me a sponsorship contract, but they might know the right person. So it's it's all about being super scrappy. Uh, race car driving is not as glamorous as people think it is, but I wouldn't give it up for the world. What are the costs associated? So where is the sponsorship money going? Although I hope you also can take some as profit. That's perfectly fantastic. But what are the costs that you have to cover as a race car driver? So the largest cost is just supporting the car. The racing industry revolves around teams who travel from racetrack to racetrack all across the country, all across the world, depending on what series. And that costs money. You know, transportation costs money. Uh, The 
my, what my coach said to me, I think three or four years ago was every time you turn a race car on at a racetrack, you can expect it to cost at least $10,000. And that's if you're trying to save money. That's if you're on a budget, you're not using new tires, you're not using new gas. And I've found that that's pretty tried and true that in general, when I'm going to a racetrack, I need to expect to spend at least 10,000, if not significantly more than that. And it's the tiny things that add up over time. You know, a set of tires is a few thousand dollars. We use very specific race fuel that takes a long time to develop that costs a few thousand dollars. The transportation might be five or 6,000, uh, you know, race support, because you have a whole crew of guys that are there to support your car, to do uh, hot pit stop. So when you're in the middle of a race, they've trained for decades, you know, how to take a tire off and put a new tire on in a couple seconds. Uh, so those are also highly skilled individuals that need to get paid for, you know, a, a highly skilled job. So it adds up really quickly. And I also believe strongly that I, I never want to have to cut costs on a team just because your relationship with a team as a race car driver is crucial in the same way that you're developing business relationships in, let's say, the venture capital or private equity world. And you take people out to dinner, you establish friendships with them. It's the same thing in the racing world. You know, those guys are going to be the people working at, on your car at two in the morning to make it a tenth of a second faster. And it's really important that you establish a good relationship. What is the lesson for our listeners from this? What can people take away from it? I'd say there are a bunch of different lessons. The main lesson for me is, you know, relationships matter. I've had to develop relationships in a really nuanced way with professionals in the industry, including uh, manufacturers at a company like BMW, who I'm working with now, or guys on my race team, or team owners or engineers. Sometimes, and this is, I think, true in any industry, going the distance isn't necessarily giving someone a huge bonus or, you know, telling them that you care about them or giving them good feedback. Sometimes going the distance is, oh my gosh, I, I notice that you're working at 10 and 11 PM and I'm going to stay with you and I'm going to go buy you some dinner or bring you some big goods. And the, the second advice I would give, and I, I haven't really touched on this yet, but the sponsorship world and the racing world is very male dominated. And I'm also very young. It's taken me a long time to realize that, sometimes the best business decision you can make is to turn away deals that don't value you like you think they should. And I've lost some deals because of that, where I think, you know, this, these people are trying to take advantage of me. They, you know, see that I'm an 18, 19 year old girl, and they think that they could get the sponsorship contract for less. And I've walked away and it's been hard, but I've also grown. And I've also realized that I get better deals because of that. Very smart. Let's go to your everyday money tip, which I hope a lot of our listeners have done because it's really smart and a really easy thing to do. Yeah. My one main tip would be uh, if you have to butter up a potential partner or just make someone happy or in my case, make friends, come up with one kick-ass brownie recipe. I love baking. I stress bake. So during midterms and finals, I will almost always randomly show up to my dorm with huge batches of brownies, cookies, what have you. But it also is a lot more personal. I mean, part of my habit of gifting brownies to to race teams and to friends came from the fact that, you know, I was 16 years old walking into business meetings and I can't exactly bring wine. That would probably be even more inappropriate. It also just became a habit that I realized was, you know, it's, it's more personal than a wine bottle. It shows that you put time and effort into the relationship. And also there is nothing that bonds people more than like sitting down at a table together and just talking about how your day was and eating brownie. What could be better? I, no one could dispute that. Brownies are always 
a win. I want to talk to you also. You have a, a little passion project that is becoming a really big thing. It is called Girls with Drive. Tell us more about Girls with Drive. Yeah. I started Girls with Drive when I was oh, 16, 17, or that was when the idea first budded for me. I had this realization that I've had so many wonderful role models in my life, including female role models. You know, I worked full time at a digital health startup last year, and my boss was the sole founder, sole CEO, and also one of the most badass people I've met in my entire life. And she also happened to be a woman. I've had so many amazing powerhouse women like that encouraging me to follow my dreams, but none of them have been in the racing world. They've all been related to my schooling, related to my work, related to you know a, a family friend. Those powerhouse women were the people who convinced me that I could make it happen in the racing world, and they were always the ones who gave me the best advice about you know how do you deal with a coworker that's treating you strangely? How do you deal with a contract that's undervaluing you? How do you balance the line between being friendly and also being as assertive as you need to be as a woman in a male-dominated industry? So Girls with Drive is a mentorship network designed to give young girls, the network of women that I was privileged enough to have. So I have a group of 50 plus mentors and I connect them to young girls who are interested in getting involved in any given male dominated field. So for example, I would connect Zoe, my boss from last year, to a young girl interested in the tech or the biotech world. The project has grown a lot in the last couple of years. If you're interested in finding out more about the program, just go to girlswithdrive.org. There's a little button on the top right that says join us. I don't directly solicit donations, but I do solicit partners or young girls or mentors who are interested in getting involved. So given the fact that most of the people listening to this podcast are women, if you are interested in mentoring a young girl, or if you're a young girl interested in getting involved in racing or STEM or business, uh, reach out to me. Wonderful. Where else can people find out more about you and your socials and all that stuff? You can find me at my social media handle at Aurora Strauss. It's the same thing for Instagram and Facebook or my website. So aurorastrauss.com. It's easy enough. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. Thank you. This was amazing. Before we get to my take on the interview, I have some exciting news to share with everyone. I recently became totally obsessed with an app. It is called Blinkist. It summarizes books to just about 15 minutes. Yeah, kind of like this podcast, about 15 minutes. In fact, you can even listen to one minute chunks at a time. They call them blinks. So now I have been cruising through several books a day at a time and loving it. So much so that I actually reached out to Blinkist and was able to bring them on board as a partner to the Financial Grown-Up Podcast because I want you guys to have this too. I know how precious your time is. Please use my link, bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. You'll get a free trial and then report back to me what your favorite Blinks are so I can thank you for supporting the show. Again, the link is bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. Let me know how you like it. Here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one. Sometimes it's a numbers game. It's just a numbers game. You have to put in the effort, let the numbers add up, face the rejection, and keep at it. And a lot of the time, the rejection is just silence. So many times in my life, I have not done as much outreach as I could have because it's so hard. Nobody likes to be rejected, especially, again, the silence. So I really take Aurora's experience and her results to heart. 
reaching out to so many potential sponsors and employees at these companies on LinkedIn. It really was a big project, but she got it done. And because she kept at it and she played that numbers game, she got the results that she needed. Financial grown-up tip number two, Aurora talked about her love of brownies and baked goods. That would definitely work on me. I've used the same technique on various projects. So for example, when I was writing my book, I sent the 30 role model contributors customized baked goods with their picture on them or the company logo. And I also sent them to their team members that I worked with, basically the gatekeepers, the people that control their schedules, that make it happen. They're really important. So I sent them also, thank you, baked goods, marked separately so that they knew that I appreciated the role that they played in making the interview happen. Showing appreciation is always a great thing to do. And no matter how healthy we all aspire to be, baked goods are always a good call. I hope I don't get any flack for saying that, but come on, guys. Also a good call. Help us grow the show. Please do a screen grab wherever you're listening and then share it on your social channels. And please tag me so I can thank you on Instagram at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And thank you all as always and sending lots of virtual brownies as a thank you to Aurora Strauss for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.